You're listening to audio from New Horizon Worship Center, located in Waco, Georgia. If you would like additional resources, please visit us online at www.NewHorizonWorshipCenter.org. Today, I want to talk to you about peeing in closets. And... Hold on, you'll see. And the power that comes from being connected to the Father. Jesus had power. We can all agree on that. When we look at Scripture and we read the Gospels and we look at Jesus' life, we can all agree that He had power. He moved in power. When He spoke, His words carried certain authority and power. And we're Christians. That means Christ-like. We're supposed to look more and more like Him the more mature we get. Now, age doesn't necessarily mean more, more mature just because you're getting older. We have to grow spiritually. We have to be eating spiritually. We have to be learning and growing and, and moving on. So Jesus had power. Why? Because he was connected. He went away often to recharge. He went to his father. He went away to pray. He left the disciples. He left the crowd. He got away. He went off by himself and recharged. He prayed to his father. He... He recharged. I want to talk about that and think about that, just that thought for a few minutes this morning. What can your phone do? Everybody's, pretty much every one of you has got a cell phone, except for Sky. He says everybody in the world has one but him. He's not allowed to have one yet, but apparently. What can your phone do? Just think about it for a minute. All kinds of apps. You got flashlights on your phone. You can call people. You can text people. It's pretty much a computer. You can check your email. You can print stuff off. You can look stuff up. You can order stuff and buy stuff on Amazon. You can pull up how to do anything in the world on YouTube. I mean, you can become a mechanic tomorrow. I fixed my truck a couple weeks ago from watching a YouTube video and a little help from Canaan. I mean, your phone can do all kinds of things, right? You could do crazy amounts of things. There's, there's more technology in that little bitty phone than they used to have in big, giant $2,000 desktop computers. It can do a lot. But what if you never plug it into the source of power? You never charge it. It's worthless. You might as well throw that thing in the trash. Why would you even carry it around with you if it wasn't charged? If you never plugged it into the power, it doesn't matter what technology has been placed inside of that. It will do you no good. You can't use the GPS to get you where you need to go. You can't pull up a worship song on YouTube. You can't do anything with your phone if it hasn't been plugged into the source or to the power. It's worthless. Everything inside... The technology, everything is there to do what it was created to do, but it hasn't been plugged in. Does your phone ever die when you're in the middle of something? Mine did last night while I was studying, and I use my phone a lot for studying, so I don't have multiple Bibles open looking at different translations, or like if I want to look something up, it's a whole lot faster on my little Bible app or in my phone to just pull something up and just researching for the message and I got a warning 20% and I clicked it right off I'm looking up I was in the middle of looking up something 
Less than 10% battery. I slid it out of the way because I was trying to read a definition for a word I'm about to tell y'all in a few minutes. And then all of a sudden, the screen goes black. Right in the middle. Ah, I was trying to... Ah. It's so frustrating. And you plug it. I don't know if y'all are like me. I've, I realized last night that I was pretty impatient because then I then plugged it up beside my desk and looked over and tried to write a couple things and was trying to get what that definition was before it cut off. And I kept looking back at my phone and hitting the button and unplugged it and plugged it back up to make sure it had a good connection. And Okay, everybody's looking at me crazy. I guess, not, I guess it's just me. Thank y'all for coming to this therapy session. Let me talk it out. It's aggravating. But whose fault is it? Mine. I had access to the power. Power was on here at the church where I was most of the day. There are plug-ins and I had access to a charger. I just didn't plug it up. In our lives, if we don't ever go to the source and we don't ever plug ourselves in, we don't ever go to the Father and get connected, then it doesn't matter all the giftings and all the talents and all everything that He's placed inside of us to be everything that we're called to be. They're not going to function well if we don't have power. and They're not going to function at all. We have to learn not just every once in a while, but on a regular basis to go back to the power. You know how often I have to plug my phone up? Depends on how often I use it. If I use it all the time, then I got to go back to the power source all the time. Well, how much power do you need spiritually? I don't know how much you want. How much are you going to use? Power is perishable. You use it, you get more, but if you don't use it, it goes away. The more you use, the more you need to be getting back to that source and recharging or you'll burn out. So many pastors end up quitting and walking away or so many people quit their ministries or they start up this ministry and they're excited and they're pumped up and then it fizzles out. You got to go to the source. You got to stay charged. You got to keep going to the source and getting charged back up. There are times when you're drained and you rely on other people, but it can't be always. Always needing somebody to charge you, somebody to carry you. It's what we talked about last week, coming in with a prepared heart. It's coming in fully charged. So you say, oh, well, this is where we need to go in this service. I, well, I got plenty of battery. I'll turn on my GPS. So if other people around me don't have enough battery, and I'll get off that point, but we got to go to the source. Don't decide that the phone's worthless and throw it away. Well, it's not working. There's something in your life that, well, it ain't working. This relationship's not working. This job's not working. This, this ministry's not working. I ask you today to consider, does it have power? Has it been plugged up and charged? Holy Spirit's the power. Growing in wisdom and knowledge. We got to change the way we think. How do you use it? It may look dead, but it's not. You know, sometimes something can look dead and not really be dead. 
you know, when you choose to plant a seed under the ground, it dies. It looks dead and gone, and you can't even see it. But then it comes forth. I heard about these two guys uh, that went hunting, and they're walking along through the woods together and just talking back and forth. And, and they're like, okay, well, we're getting close to the, to the deer stand, so let's quit talking and be quiet. And they walked about 50 more yards, and one of the guys just drops. At first, his buddy thought he was joking and looked at him, and he looked like he was dead. Wasn't moving, didn't seem to be breathing. So the guy, in a panic, he dials 911. And they say, hey, 911 dispatch, what's the emergency? And he's like, look, I'm out here hunting in the woods. And he kind of gives them rough location of where they are. He said, my buddy just dropped. I don't, I, I, medically, I, I don't know anything. I don't know what's wrong with him, but it, he, I think he's dead. You know, my, my buddy died. And uh, the 911 dispatcher said, well, the first thing we need to do, like I can walk you through this and there are things that we can do, but the first thing we need to do is make sure he's dead. We've got to make sure he's dead. Hello? There's silence. She's like, hello? Pow! She hears a gunshot. She's like, what in the world? He comes back on. All right, I made sure he's dead. Now what? Don't get confused. I mean, sometimes you can take some information and, and, and you can be confused and your life may look dead. Some areas of your life may look dead, but it's not. We need to know how it works. You know, if you don't know how something works, it's kind of hard to use it. It's really hard to use it. We can go back to the phones on that thing again, but we won't. I remember there was uh, when Amanda got her, or it wasn't Amanda, a blonde got her first cell phone. It, it wasn't Amanda. But this blonde, she got her first cell phone, and she didn't really know what it was. All they'd ever had was a home phone, and they had gotten married young, so her husband gives her a cell phone so he could get in touch with her. It wasn't Bo. Um, and she's like, what is this? And he said, look, here's you just turn on the power right here, and then I can call you wherever you are. She's like, whoa, that's weird. So the next day, she's in Walmart, and hears a ringing in her purse and pulls out the phone and says, Hello? And her husband says, Hey, how's the phone working? She said, The phone's working fine, but how did you know I was at Walmart? <laughs> if you don't know how to use it or you don't understand what's going on, You don't get all you can out of it. We need to understand how it works. God's kind of like Chuck Norris. He doesn't dial the wrong number. You answer the wrong phone. So I got a word for you. This is serious. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Here's a word I feel like God gave me for somebody. Maybe for multiple people. You have everything you need inside of you. But you've been focusing on what to do. 
or what you need to do, your functions, rather than knowing who you are and connecting to the Father, the Holy Spirit, the source, the power, the one who made you. Your doing must come from your being. That's how Pastor Bruce says it. Yeah, we're supposed to do good works and all you should do, but it should come from your being. It should come from a charged place. Look at John 14, 26. Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, the Source, the Holy Spirit, will teach you and remind you when you plug in. Well, how do I plug in when you pray, when you worship, when you come to church and hear a word, when you read the word on your own and God gives you that piece of revelation that charges you? It charges your spirit. It's, it's spiritual food. It's like filling up your car with gas when you plug in, when you charge. Look at James 1, um, 22. James 1, 22. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. And this was Jesus' brother that wrote this. And he became a pastor. And he wrote this book and the Bible and all this. But, you know, he didn't, he didn't become a pastor or really get into the ministry and write this book and stuff till after he saw Jesus resurrected and stuff. So I, I don't know. I, I was thinking about that this week. Like, I wonder if that was hard being his brother. Because he grew up with him and he knew him and he saw him boogers in his nose or whatever. Like, Jesus was a man and God. And I wonder if that was hard. But it's a pretty good testimony that this guy, his Jesus' brother or his half-brother, um, that grew up with him, then wrote this book and preached and was a Jesus follower. Because back then you were persecuted and it was a hard, hard thing to be a Jesus follower. And so if he didn't really believe and he wasn't really, you know, buying into it or he knew things about Jesus that everybody else didn't know or he's seen the real, then he probably wouldn't have. But look what James says. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are any, anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror and walk away and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye, and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or a woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. So James is saying, don't be like somebody that looks in the mirror and forgets who you are. The Word can be like a mirror to you, but don't be just a hearer. You've got to take action. You've got to be a doer of the Word too. 
Some people go to church, the source. They go to a place where they can be filled up. They can be charged. They, they read the word, but they don't let it affect the way they live. They don't take action. They, they come in and they listen and they walk back out and they don't apply it to their life. And they don't, they look in the mirror, but nothing changes. The ones that don't act are the ones that like look in a mirror. I mean, you can come in here to a church service and it's like if, if I went out there and looked in a mirror and I had a booger in my nose and I looked in the mirror and I saw it and thought, man, I need to get rid of that. There's some conviction there. I don't want people seeing that. I need to clean that up. But then I just walk away from the mirror and never do anything about it. And a week later, I go back in front of the mirror and say, man, there it is again. I need to get rid of that. I'm going to kneel on my knees and take communion while I look in the mirror this time. And then I walk back out the door and I never wipe it or blow it or try anything different. It's a mirror sometimes. The Word of God, James says, it's like a mirror. So when we see what's wrong, but then we then have to take action. He said... You want to know what I believe? Look at my life. You can tell what I believe by what I do and how I live. Do something about it. I'm about to give you some information that you will want to immediately test. Or I did. Maybe if you've already heard it, you wouldn't, but this was a shocker to me. This was like, blew my mind. Y'all know the ABC song? Everybody in here know it? Most of y'all know it? Okay. The ABC song and Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. It's the exact same tune. Serious. Hold on a second, Bo. Now, everybody want to test it. Now you're thinking in your head, right? Sing ABC with me. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. H-I-G. Okay, twinkle, twinkle. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I... You can sing them both together. We're BOGO. No. <laughs> oh. Did anybody know that already? Bo knew it. Oh, a few people knew it. Those are the, those are the people that have been studying the internet more than their Bibles. No, <laughs> just kidding. I saw it on the internet. That's why I'm just sorry. Just kidding. It really did blow my mind. And as soon as I read that information, I saw that information written down and I read it and immediately I tested it. A, B, C, D, twinkle, twink. What? It's the same. You got to take some action. Once you hear the information, that's not enough. Don't James said, don't just be a hearer, but be a doer. Go test what you hear. Test it out. If the Holy Spirit says something to you, it's for a reason. It's not just for you to hear it. Because you're supposed to take some action. He'll take you by the hand and lead you. But to be led, you got to move. When you move, I move. So some people go to church just like that. And they read the Word. 
but they don't let it affect the way they live. James said, don't just hear it, do it. Why? I don't want to do it. You're cheating yourself. It's not because you've got to follow some rules to be loved by God. He still loves you. It's not because you've got you to do all this so that you can be saved. or doesn't affect it. It's for you. It's for your benefit. So you can be all that you were called to be. And you can be fulfilled and have joy and hope and peace and love. And, and, and be the person in your family and in your church and in your community. And you can make a difference in the kingdom. It's for you. So by not doing it, you're just cheating yourself. You've got to get in the story and stay in the story. Jesus said, abide in me, abide in my word, live, stay, dwell, constantly come back to my words, constantly come back to me. Why? Because you'll be recharged. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So if you're constantly going back to the way, the truth, and the life, you're not wondering where you should go because he's the way. And you don't wonder what's truth and you're not knocked off track by some false thing or doctrine or crazy. Because He's the truth and He's the life. You have life. No matter, you can be exhausted, but you're constantly getting recharged and refilled. Stay in the story. Bring your death to life. Well, how do I tell if I if I've forgotten who I am or if I'm not charging it stops affecting your life if the word no longer affects the way you live then you're just a hearer if you hear a word from God and it doesn't change anything it doesn't change any of your actions or the way you treat people or the way you, nothing then Maybe you've forgotten who you are. You look in a mirror and you walk away and forget. So what do I do? Get around people that will remind you who you are. Get around people. Get in relationship with people that will say, Hey, you got something on your... You got right here. Yeah, I, I know. Marry somebody that will remind you who you are. Not just let you be a fake. Become somebody that God didn't call you to be. Go to a church that will remind you who you are. If you come in here week after week and the worship and the word and the ministries and the stuff that's going on doesn't remind you who you are and who God's called you to be and give you life and charge you up, find somewhere that does. Because maybe you're a different kind of charger. Get around people. Get around the Word. Find ways to charge yourself. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. You are not what you do. We get so messed up on that. People are what they do. When we'll honor somebody because of what they do, We'll put somebody up on a pedestal because of what they do. And you're not what you do. So how did Jesus recharge? One of his main ways to recharge was prayer. Communication with his father. So we're going to look just, we're going to look at the Lord's prayer. And we're going to close. I'm not going to, not going to keep you too long today. 
think God will speak to you. Just give me a few more minutes. Look at Matthew 6, verse 5. The disciples, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus, teach us how to pray. So they can ask Jesus anything. Like, hey, Jesus, teach us how to walk on water. That was a cool trick. Hey, you remember when we went to that wedding and you turned that water into wine? Can you teach us that trick? Like they could have picked whatever. Yeah, I don't think that would have been too good. Picture Peter. I'm coming to the party and I got a case of Dasani. Not a good one to teach them. Uh, what about heal a lame man? Hey, Jesus, teach us how to heal a lame man. But that's not what they asked. They said, teach us how to pray. Why? Because they knew that that's where his power came from. They recognized that when he was drained and when he was empty and when he, when he fed the 5,000 or when he got upset about John dying and stuff, that he would get away or go to pray or he would, uh, you know, when he was upset about John dying, it, Scripture tells us abruptly he just broke into prayer. Thank you, Father. He started praying. And the disciples witnessed that recharging and that he would come back strong and moving with compassion and treating people like with love again and ministering again and doing miracles again. And, and they're like, that's what we want. That's where, yeah, he does heal people and he does walk on water and he does do all this awesome stuff. But that's the source. Because when he's getting empty, he prays. So God, hey, master, teach us how to pray. That's what I want. So here's what Jesus says to him. Start reading in verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites or the actors, the fakes. Don't wear a mask. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues. They love to go into the church and pray and act spiritual and speak Christianese and dress up nice. And Jesus said, man, don't be like these fakes. Be real. And in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Be careful. If it's all about being seen of men, and you don't want to do anything or serve or help anybody that nobody's going to know about or or show up and whatever it is, whatever God's called you to be or who He's called you to do, if you have to have people watching or the approval of men, then Jesus said, there's your reward. Get some good pats on the back. Don't be a fake. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. So Jesus starts this, pray to thy father. To them, this would have been very foreign. To thy father? They'd grown up good Jewish boys and stuff. They weren't taught that Jesus was their father. Uh, God, yes. Ruler, yes. Creator, yes. I am a far off deity, higher power. Yeah, father. What? probably got all their attention when he said that to thy father which is in secret 
And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Jesus saying it's it's not about putting together a whole bunch of words or sounding smart and spiritual or knowing that's not what prayer is about why do you think Jesus picked a bunch of people that just man he picked all kind of people he had a tax collector and he had fishermen and just regular guys he didn't go to the synagogue to pick his crew he didn't go to the seminary and pick a bunch of qualified guys he said look it's not about the words and the you knowing all the right things to say verse 8 be not ye therefore like unto them for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him he knows after this manner therefore pray ye so he said pray like this I'm going to give you an example. Our Father, which art in heaven, for you're higher than us. Hallowed be thy name. And you're awesome, you're holy, you're mighty. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You know, by switching that one little word, thy it looks like a lot of us, we like to switch it to my. My kingdom come, my will be done. It's really all, all sin is just selfishness. It can be traced back to doing what feels good to me or what I want to do, what, what my flesh wants to do. My, it's just selfishness. You know, every argument me and Jesse have ever been in, we don't argue, but if we did... Surprise, we've argued before too. If every argument we've ever been in can be traced back to selfishness, I'm frustrated with her because she doesn't see things the way I see or she's not doing what I want her to do. I can't control her. And vice versa. That's really the only reason you ever get mad at somebody. Because they're not doing what you want them to do. They're not making you happy. Like, that's all it is. And the way we act, I mean, we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. But the way we act a lot of time is, my will be done. I want what I want. Even talking about church and ministry and family, my will be done. And I'm going to be happy. Jesus said, no. Pray, thy will be done. It means whatever happens, whatever circumstances, God, I trust that you're so big that I trust that you know more. I want your will above my will. Or John said that he must increase, I must decrease. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give me today what I need today. Back to something that Doug mentioned, and we've hit on it a couple of times in the, the runway thing is if if God gave you everything that you 
needed for the rest of your life, you probably quit praying. You'd never trust him anymore. Like if, you know, if an 18-wheeler pulled up in front of your house and gave you all the provision you'd ever need to live out the rest of your life, what would you need to trust or work for? Or No, give us today what we need today. Why? Why don't you just give me all I need for the next three years, God? Because he wants relationship. Money's not everything, but it keeps the kids in touch. Just kidding, that was a joke. God wants you to keep coming back to Him. He wants relationship with us. He's a Father. Give us this day our daily bread. I like how Jesus didn't even pray, give me today my daily bread. Give me my daily bread. No, he said, give us our daily bread. The provision that you have, the time, talents, and treasures, the things that God has given you, it's ours. Should be. Coming from a right heart. Hey, God, what do you want me to do with my finances? Who can I help? How do I give and tithe our daily bread the things that you've given me you gave them to me to give away to other people our daily bread not mine and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors hey God forgive us forgive me help me to forgive the people that hurt me Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. We see that in multiple different places in Scripture that He'll lead you. But here in Jesus' prayer says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He will lead you. But you got to follow. You notice right after that, He said, deliver us from evil. If you weren't getting led into temptation, you'd never end up in evil. Sometimes we are places we shouldn't be. We run away, and guess what? He's still there to deliver us from evil. Um, Joe and Hannah had to leave after they did Kid Space this morning, so since Joe's not in here, I can go ahead and tell you all a story. A story that he told us in warrior training one morning. And it's it's un, kind of unspoken rule that what said in warrior training, stays in warrior training, but he's not here. So, I actually asked him permission to share this. So, um, when, when Joe was a kid, about 10 years old, roughly 10, somewhere around there, 9 or 10 years old, he went with a friend uh, right up here to the First Methodist in Bremen. And they were having a revival. And they had this big famous, some famous preacher that was coming to preach this revival and apparently a lot of some other churches were coming and a lot of people were coming. It was going to be a big crowd. And so Joe was friends with this kid that went to that church. So they invited him to come with them that night. And his parents said, okay, you can go. So Joe went with them. He said they were running around before the service because they got there a little early and uh, they're running around before the service playing hide and seek. And him and his buddy, he's like, where's a good place to hide? And they're like, Oh, right up by the stage. And Joe said that the stage goes over, and then right on the edge of the stage, there's a closet. 
And there's another one on the other side with the only door in the closet is right here on the front, like right on the front of the stage. And they keep props in there. And they said there were some fake trees and some play props or different. It's like little storage rooms. His buddy's like, oh, I know a great place to hide. So they ran up there and they hid. And Joe's like, we'll be okay. And he's like, yeah, come on, we're fine. Let's go in here and hide. So, well, he goes to church here. So they go in there and hide. And they sit in there, and Joe said they waited and waited, and Joe said, I got to pee. Oh, now you're thinking about the, where I started this at. Joe said, I got to pee, but I'm not going to come out because those other kids that are it, they're going to find us. We'll stay right here. I'll just hold it for a while. They waited a little while, and then he said he heard somebody get on the microphone and say, welcome. Thank you all for coming tonight. Everyone take your seats and the evangelist came up and got the microphone and started the service. So now Joe and his buddy are in the closet and they're freaking out. He said, we can't walk out. My mom and dad will kill us. We'll be, in, we'll be in bad trouble. Now the whole entire church is sitting in their seats looking up towards the front at this guest preacher evangelist. And Joe and his buddy are peeking out the crack of the door, like looking out saying, oh no, they're all sitting in their seats looking. If we come out, it's going to disrupt the whole service. And so he's like, what do we do? And his buddy said, we got to stay in here. So they both sit down in there, and Joe's like, but I got to pee. And he said, okay, I can wait, I can wait. He said this was one of the longest preachers he's ever heard. It went on and on and on. And he said, I, I don't know what to do, I got to pee. And his buddy said, well, there's a tree, pee on the tree. A fake tree in the corner. Joe said, no, I'm not peeing on a tree. After about two or three more hours of this preacher going on and on, Joe said, okay, I'm going to pee on the tree. So Joe got up and walked over there and peed on a tree up there at First Methodist in Bremen. And he had to go pretty bad, so it was a lot of pee. Well, they waited till the service was over, and they waited until the crowd was all moving around, and then they slipped out the closet and tried to come around and act like they were in the back with the kids or whatever and kind of just mingled back in with the crowd, and they thought they got away with it. And... Joe went back with his parents and went home and he was laying in his bed and he said he heard his dad coming down the hall headed toward his said, uh oh sounds like he's coming towards my room uh oh door slings open and his dad said Joe did you pee on a tree in the closet he's like how did he know apparently that kid told his dad and his dad called Joe's dad yeah, Joe peed on a tree in the closet. And I don't know if that kid must have got, like, asked him, where were you during the whole entire service? And he was getting trouble, so he just ratted Joe out. What it sounds like to me. Joe's dad got him, and Joe was like, I wanted to lie so bad. Really wanted to say no, but he knew. So I said, yes, sir. He said, get dressed now. And Joe's like, why? He said, get dressed, get in the truck. But I don't want to get dressed. Get dressed and go get in the truck. So Joe got dressed and went and got in the truck. And his dad drove him back up to the church where there were people still there cleaning up from the revival service. And he made Joe, this little 10-year-old kid, walk in there to the lady that was cleaning the church and tell her, Hello, excuse me, ma'am. Um, I peed in the closet and I came back to clean it up. Where are some cleaning supplies that I could use? I am so sorry. <laughs> He said that was the hardest walk he's ever made, walking in the front of that in the front of that church as a little kid having to go up to a stranger and tell her, I peed in your closet. 
the closet of your church on a prop that goes up on your stage. He said he'd rather got his butt tore up. Any other, give me another punishment. And his dad said, nope, that's what you're doing. So he had to go in there and tell her. And they gave him cleaning supplies. And he went in the closet and cleaned the tree and cleaned the floor and whatever. That didn't really have anything to do with anything. I just wanted to tell you all that because I thought it was a great story. Now, if you're not where you should be, then you will do things you should not do. And the Father will always lead you to make it right. Look at somebody and say, get out of the closet before you pee on something. Some of you are in some closets. You're in places you shouldn't be. You need to get a charge. You need to come back. The Father always leads us to make it right. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And how does He end it? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to encourage you to look at the Lord's Prayer. Go back to Matthew 6 this week and read it and look at it and slow it down. And just read a line and then think about it. Pastor Bruce told me that he started doing this, I guess, a year ago or several months ago. That every morning when he would wake up, he'd set his clock just about 10 minutes earlier. And he would go over the Lord's Prayer because he's got it memorized and just go one line. And then think about what does that mean and then pray off of that if something else comes to mind and then say the next line. Pray off of that and how it just was changing his perspective on the day and changing his outlook on everything. Slow it down. Read it, but think about it. I think the most dangerous thing about the Lord's Prayer is that it can be so familiar that we don't think about it. We just read through it, and then it becomes what Jesus warned against, a vain repetition. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Yep, said the Lord's Prayer, and you just run through it, and you don't think about it, and it was a pattern, something to get us praying, to teach us how to pray. I heard Anley Stanley talking about um, this old couch, an old couch, and he was talking about like, you know, when you've gone to somebody's house or a buddy's apartment or something and they got this old nasty couch that doesn't match anything and it's really out of place and stuff, but the person that lives there doesn't notice. Like, they're so used to it, they don't realize. But somebody that's never been there, when a stranger walks in, it's like, oh my gosh, why you got that in here? Why, or why is there a big hole in the wall? But the person that lives there has just gotten so used to it that you don't even notice. What's your old couch? What do you got in your life that's hanging around that's ugly or nasty or doesn't match or doesn't go, doesn't fit? Don't let the Lord's Prayer be an old couch. So how do you address Him? Jesus started by addressing Him, Our Father. That's the most important thing. How do you address him? You know, if you went to speak to or visit royalty, there will be people that would prep you on how to speak to and how to address them. 
what you should call them. Now, when you go in there to speak to the king, you will call him this. This is how you will address the king. They have people that would instruct you on what title to use and how to address the king. And when Jesus instructs us how to pray, he says, pray like this, our father. This was revolutionary. This was unheard of. Our father. If you can start your prayers off by reminding yourself that he's your father. You ever play hide and seek? I used to be a champion hide-and-seek player. Especially when we moved out here and had a bunch of woods and not much supervision. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I'm serious. We could, if well, it was kind of like hide-and-seek, kind of like ditching your little brothers and cousins. And me and Brent could put on some camo and run like 40 acres back and hide and like hide really good and never get found. And that's what you wanted to do. When I was like 12 or 13 years old, like, yeah, nobody ever found me. They all went home and ate lunch and started playing something else. That's how good I am. Yeah, I'm good at hiding. But guess what? When I had kids, the way I played hide and seek changed. Right? I mean, when, when Malachi was two or three years old and I decided to play hide and seek with him, I didn't put on camo and grab a shovel to go dig a hole in the woods and hide in so he'd never find me. I want him to find me. That's the point of it. You go stand behind the curtain and leave your feet sticking out so that they can see where you are. Or you just stand in the middle of the room and close your eyes and then they come up and say, you're horrible at this. And they run up and grab you and hug you and you say, ah, you're so good at this game. You're so smart. Wow. And you grab them and hug them and hold them because guess what? To you, the point is not to never be found. To you, the point is that they're having fun and they're finding you. And they're finding joy and excitement. And so the part that you look forward to is when they find you and you get to hug them and laugh with them and tell them how awesome they are. It changes when you become a father. God is not hard to find. He wants you to find Him. He's got the heart of the best father. So whether we had a good father or a bad father, or a good example, bad example, God is a good father. He's a good, good father, and he wants you to find him. And when you find him, he grabs you, and he wraps you up, and he holds you, and it changes when you become a father. It looks completely different. So the first thing we have recorded in Scripture that Jesus ever said in the Bible, first thing we have recorded is Luke 2, 49. Remember when Jesus disappeared when he was a like 12 years old, Mary and Joseph went back looking for him. And then Mary said, why would you do this to us? I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but why why'd you do this to us? And then remember Jesus said, the first thing we have recorded that Jesus said in the Bible, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? That's father, dad. And then the very last thing we have recorded that Jesus said was in Luke 23, 46, when he was hanging on the cross and he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Father, Dad, Abba. It's the first and the last thing we have recorded that Jesus said. It's how he taught us to pray. 
You know, there's only one time in Jesus' whole entire life that he didn't call God father or dad. That was in Matthew 27, 46, when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Hanging on the cross. The word that he used there, God, God, my God, my God, that's a faraway deity, a ruler. That's the word that Jews or people would have been taught to call God. It's not Father, it's not Daddy, it's not Abba. It's a faraway. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He called him God so we could call him Father. That's pretty cool. Because Adam messed it up. And we were far from God. Because of our sin. And Jesus gave that up so we could all call him Father. Jesus called him God so that we could call him Father. How do you come to God? As we close today, how, how is it that you come to him? How do you come into his presence? Is it like a child coming to his dad? Scott, come here. Hurry up. Okay, so this is going to be um, just a visual example of how Jesus told us we should pray. This is what it should look like when we pray. I'm God, obviously. The Father. That's all of mankind. Come here. That's what prayer should look like. We're told in Hebrews 4.16 to come boldly. That you can come boldly before the throne of grace. Why? Because you are just as welcome in the throne room of God as sky is in my arms. You're just as safe and cared for and welcome and loved and he wants you to come in that's how he feels about you our father who art in heaven he's all of our father give us our bread why so that I can give some away and I like how he put bread in the middle we usually put a bread on the top and the bottom of our sandwiches but Jesus put it in the middle Put the bread right right in the middle, the provision. I was reading some commentary, some uh, commentators, which I thought about that word, a commentator. Um, but one of them said, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I was tired when I read that. <laughs> commentator? <laughs> Hungry, too. Uh, talking about bread and then reading commentators and I, 
Okay. Um, and one of them said that, which I highly disagreed with, uh, he said that Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread, not cake and not steak. Whoa. I disagree. Jesus wants to give stuff to us. God wants to bless his kids. He's not got a problem with blessing you. It's okay. You're his kids. He wants to give you gifts and bless you. And man, that sure is a nice shirt. Yeah, don't, I didn't pay full price for it. Don't worry. I got it for sale for $2. Otherwise, we'll feel bad. It's okay. Say thank you. It's okay for God to bless his kids. It's okay to eat steak and cake. Unless you're trying to lose weight. Don't eat a whole lot of cake, but it's okay. God wants to bless his kids. He put the bread in the middle, but he sandwiched it with worship. At the start, he was worshiping God. Hallowed be thy name, our Father. You're in heaven. You're awesome. You're above. And then at the end, he ends it with worship, with praise to God. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Prayer is a transfer of power. And it will bring His glory into your story. It'll charge the phone. It'll make everything else work. The things that look dead, charge them. I'm going to close there. I had some more. We may come back here next week. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thanks for speaking to us. Dad, thanks that we got a, a father and children relationship. That's a whole lot better than some faraway God we can't touch. Thank you for loving us. We love you too. God, let your will be done in my life. Not mine. Thy will, not my will. Lead me and help me to follow. God, help me to not walk away from the mirror and forget who I am or forget what I saw but to take action. Five years from now, I want to look different than I do. Not just physically aged, but I want to be more mature. I want to have more love and more wisdom and more hope and more peace. I want to be a giant in the kingdom. Lead me. Deliver me from evil. You're awesome. It's your kingdom, not ours. You're powerful. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.